This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for. The nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Corey Flournoy is back, and the conversation is always thought-provoking. We cover everything from driverless tractors, the future of agriculture, and unconscious bias. Corey won't tell you how to think, but he always helps us to all simply think about what we do and how we do it. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, and it's brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. In 2020, I had the chance to use a new corn nitrogen product firsthand in my fields, Pivot Bio Proven. Pivot BioProven adheres to the root of the corn plant, creating a mutually beneficial nitrogen-generating partnership that stays strong all the way through harvest. It's the weather-resistant and sustainable way to achieve more predictable, more productive yields than ever before. Our 2021 trial is underway, and we'll be looking at how Pivot BioProven can help supply corn with the nitrogen it needs throughout the season. And that hopefully means the use of less synthetic nitrogen in the future, saving us money while still supplying the corn with the nutrients it needs. Pivot Bio Proven may change the way you think about nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Corey Flournoy is back on Farming the Countryside this week. As some of you know, Corey is a longtime friend of mine, but we have far different backgrounds. I'm the farm kid from very rural America. Corey is the guy from inner-city Chicago who, interestingly, has many ties to the industry of agriculture. The feedback I get after our conversations on the air is that Corey doesn't tell you what to think, but simply helps us to think and see things from viewpoints we hadn't considered. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about seeing the world in a way that can help all of us. And as usual, we'll cover a lot of ground. We talk about Corey's roles with a company developing technology that may impact driverless tractors. And that launches us into a discussion of inequities in agriculture and beyond. Does it really impact us? Should we care? And what can we do? Here's our latest conversation. Corey Flournoy joins me. And one of the things that I would say about Corey, and this is a big accolade, I think, from our listeners, is, is that we'll always say that Corey helps us think. He doesn't tell us how to think, but it helps us think and helps us see things through a different lens. And I think that's a really valuable quality to have, especially in these days. Corey, welcome back. And why don't you update folks on what you're doing these days? Because when last we talked with you, you were at Groupon, but you have changed to a new company that uh, has ties to agriculture, perhaps, and much more when it comes to how we're going to drive in the future. Yes. Well, first of all, thanks, Andrew, for inviting me back into another conversation. Uh, So in January of 2021, I made the transition from Groupon to a company that most people have probably never heard of, and it's called Aurora, but it's one of the three companies that is developing the technology behind self-driving vehicles. So we are developing the technology behind autonomous self-driving trucks and cars, and 100%. So think about vehicles without steering wheels that just you know, show up, take you where you need to go, <laughs> and drops you off. And so um, the company is truly one of the leaders in creating technology that's safe, quick, and and feels to a broad audience. And my job is as um, vice president of diversity, equity, inclusion is to think about how to create an internal culture where we have a diversity of engineers, scientists, people helping to develop the technology 
so that we create technology that meets the needs of a variety of different people in society. So as you mentioned, you're not a in, an engineer, you're not a scientist. Uh, so in your title, we get a feel for this, but why would a company like Aurora feel like it's so important to have you there to talk about, as your title says, diversity, equity, and inclusion at Aurora? Why is that so important? Because, you know, we, here's the interesting thing. So there's a, a movie that came out um, last year called Coded Bias, and I think it's on Netflix. Um, it talks about the bias that has been created in AI and artificial intelligence. Um, so you believe it or not, they, there was a technology that was developed that was supposed to do facial recognition that was determined that they, it had difficulty recognizing women or people of color. <laughs> and so when you think about um, the great technology that's being created to, to make life easier, it's created by people. And so if we have blind spots and biases individually, when we create technology, those biases end up in the actual technology that's created. And so it is important from our standpoint of a company of, of having, you know, diversity of, of people developing the technology so that we can create technology that can work in rural areas and urban areas that can help certain people in society who need help with transportation. And it, you just have greater insights when you have people, diverse people um, creating that technology. Some people who may not know you or may not know your background, part of the reason that we have you on this show is not only this background you're talking about, but you certainly have ties to agriculture. You grew up in the city of Chicago, still live there, but past national FFA president, the first African-American national president. You certainly have spent time and still do with folks in agriculture, around agriculture, Aurora's developing driverless technology that could be applied in agriculture. So you certainly, you know, see that side of things. When we get over to this topic of, I guess we'll call it unconscious bias, you're helping a company be able to see things perhaps that they should see differently. So how does that apply to all of us? Because I think there's a lot of times where, hey, we live life through our own eyes, nothing wrong with that. But if we only do that, <laughs> we miss a lot of things and we, and we can't live our life in somebody else's shoes. That can be difficult too. So what is it all of us should be thinking about when it comes to this topic? You know, I, it's so important because I think on face value, we, we tend to think when things happen in society to certain individuals who are in diff, different communities, or who may be African-American or Latino or women or Asians, that sometimes the lack of understanding how someone else's experience is different than our own allows us to, again, bring in our own biases to not understand why these things happened or to believe that, hey, are these groups inferior? Are these groups not trying hard? When you start to actually you know, truly um, get educated about what's happening behind the scenes, um, you show up differently. When you understand, and, and it's one of the great things about our friendship, the more we engage and have conversations, we both grow as individuals and it allows us to show up differently. Um, it allows us to recognize when we're in situations when bias is playing out, how we need to, to, to step up and do something. And so, you know, I always say the two greatest things you can do when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion versus education. Um, education means finding reliable news sources <laughs> that are not opinion-based, but are truly based on fact um, to help educate us about why certain things exist, certain things happen. Um, I know one of the things we talked about is um, right now there's a lot of talk about funding to help black farmers. And there are some who, who may feel like, well, that's unfair. Why, why, why would we 
take federal funds or tax money to support, you know, black farmers and not help everyone. But there's a lot of people who don't who don't understand the history of how um, black farmers have been impacted in our country. So, for instance, um, the number of U.S. black farmers declined by 98 percent between 1920 and 1997. And that's a large number of farmers. Now, we know that, you know, well, all farmers have decreased over years. Right. But did you know that between 1910 and 1997, black farmers lost about 90 percent of the land they owned, whereas in comparison, white farmers lost about 2 percent over the same period of time. And so part of that's part of the reason why education is important, because we, when we do a little bit of research and really learn about facts and statistics, you begin to understand why how certain things start to be unfair in society and why we need to sometimes do special programs or special initiatives to try to make things right that have been wrong for a long number of years, right? And these things have been systemic, meaning it, it, it is based in the system of how things are organized and created. And so these systemic issues that happen over time end up having a great impact on certain communities over another. So another example I use is that the USDA was um, more than likely, six times as likely to foreclose on a black farmer as it was to foreclose on white farmers. When that happens over time, which brings us to 2021, that's when we have to think about, wow, we have really created a system where two sets of people have had very different experiences, different outcomes. How do we start to try to correct some of the things that have happened that may not be, you know, Andrew didn't cause it, <laughs> you didn't cause it as individuals, but collectively as a, as a society, these things that have had impact, and the only way they're going to be corrected is if we as a society decide we're going to make a difference and make a change. You're certainly into a topic that I wanted to get to. So help us understand a little bit, because you know many of the, the facts behind it. During that span, let's say from 1920 up until today, and you cited the statistics, what was happening? Was it unconscious bias? Was it conscious bias? Is it a combination of factors? What caused us to get to that point and see such a precipitous decline in land-owned and farmers um, who might be African-American out there. What what was behind it? Sometimes it's just a lack of fairness in the system. So, for instance, I, I mentioned, you know, um, there were a large number of black farmers who applied for funding from the USDA, USDA, even back in the 80s, who were denied. Or they didn't get information about certain deadlines that other, other people did get, and so they, their claims were, were denied. Um, and in some cases, the USDA failed to take disciplinary action against um, some of the employees who were called the discrimination, <laughs> which, again, allowed it to have a longer term impact. Um, in fact, at one point, there were 2,800 discrimination complaints against the USDA by black farmers. And um, for eight years, um, under, under, um, even under the Obama administration, a lot of those, those complaints were not actually taken care of. And so the other thing is, is to realize that these, this is not about partisan. This is not about Democrat, Republican. These things have happened, period, throughout all administrations over, you know, years of time. And again, it, when you don't correct a problem, it gets worse. I mean, it, as farmers, as people in production agriculture, you know, when there's a problem with equipment, when there's a problem on the farm and we neglect it, and it gets worse over the years. It doesn't just stop, right? And the same is true even in terms of government agencies like the USDA and others who have caused which cause some of these disparities to happen. I hear this a lot out in, in public as far as, okay, what should we do now? Because you mentioned earlier, well, Andrew didn't cause the problem. Now, 
hey, I will admit, I need to understand more about the, the world and how things work. But no, I wasn't the one writing the loans. I wasn't the one that may have been discriminating. But how do, how should, and I don't want you to tell me how to think, because I already introduced you as someone that doesn't <laughs> tell me how to think, but how can I through a different lens? Because I think for a lot of people, they will easily say, well, hey, I didn't cause the problem. So let's just make sure things are good now and we don't have to worry about going back. Why should I really consider about why it is important for us to go back and try to, in this case, right some of those wrongs as best we can, if they can even be righted? Because that's the way our country is was designed, right? Um, if a portion of your community has a bad water system, right, um, where for whatever reason, you know, we are not able to get clean, good water to a portion of town, we could take the attitude that, well, that portion of town needs to deal with it. No, we, we make the decision that as a city or as a community, we're going to fix the water system. Um, even, if it's, even if it's not my water system, we believe that we're going to do what's, what's best for our community. And this is the same, same kind of philosophy. Um, anyone who's a part of our country, who's a citizen of our country, who, who lives in our country, who, who's here legally and they're working and they're contributing and paying taxes, we as a country want to make sure that we're taking care of and helping each other, helping, helping one another. Um, we are in the process right now of fixing bridges and roads. We can take the attitude, well, that's not a bridge that I cross or a road that I drive on. Why should I use my – because we live in a country where holistically we believe that if we take care of the problems, even if it's in certain communities, we're better as a society. And the same is true even for certain demographics where traditionally we have, we have underservice or we have been unfair or we have, you know, it, it, it's just about if we are truly the United States of America, it means we have to be united in how we take care of and, and make each other better because when you benefit, when, my, when I do better, we all do better as a community and as a country. Let's take it a step further because I think many people would say, okay, yes, I agree that in the present we need to handle these things, but what should we do when we have to go back to the past and how do we, in this case, put a dollar figure on that or how do we go to the past then and try to, to do that? And is there a limit on what we go back into the past, even perhaps before my generation? You know, I, maybe I wasn't alive when this happened. How do we figure those things out? How do we look at those things and try to go back and, and write those things? Then? You know, I think part of it is if you pick any period of time, right? So I'm going to use an example here. In, in 2016, there's a report from the USDA that shows that 80%, 86% of all microloans that were issued between 2013 and 2015 went to white farmers. And so that demonstrates that at least two-thirds went to you know, white farmers. All right. So what we can do is look at, well, how well do white farmers do over the last several years, like an almost 10-year period? How well do black farmers do? Okay, well, what can we do? And we may not be apples to apples. We may not get back to the same level of, of productivity, same level of success. But how do we start to at least try to level the playing field to make it right, to fix it? Um, it's, it's, I mean, and again, we do it across the board, right? We do it. Um, uh, that's why we have pay equality, where we look at, hey, um, there are women who've worked in the workforce who are doing the same job as men, but over five, 10 years, the pay has, has gotten inequitable, right? And so often a lot of companies now are looking at that and going, we need to correct that. Because somehow, um, because men tend to ask for raises, men tend to ask for promotions and women don't, but they're still doing the same quality work. How do we fix it? 
And so I don't know if there's any specific formula to the point in time you go back, but part of it is looking at the group who has succeeded, who's had greater opportunity, who's been given greater <laughs> greater resources, look at the group that hasn't, and how do you start to counter fix it, particularly because there was injustice in place. This isn't a factor of one group wasn't trying, one group wasn't working, one group. We had a system that unfairly gave one group an advantage, which means the other group is disadvantaged. So how do we start to go back and try to fix that problem? Corey, you mentioned opportunity there. Some will say, well, hey, it's the United States. Anybody that works hard has the opportunity. Is that really true, do you think? Uh, do we all have the opportunity? I mean, that could be a pretty loaded question, but uh, these are the types of things that you and I discuss sometimes. Sure. Uh, wh- what do you say? You know, I'll say, let's, take, let's put race and gender in a box up to the side. I think we can agree that even within certain communities, there are certain schools that have a better educational systems than others. And so the theory is that if you send all kids to school, they'll get the same quality of education. We know that not to be true. <laughs> there are some school systems, um, some programs that are better than others. And so, you know, that's, that's the same kind of philosophy, right? Is, yes, sometimes we all have the opportunity to try certain things, to go to school, but it doesn't mean that the resources provided are all the same. So there are a lot of schools throughout the United States where schools don't have books. They don't have the right internet system. They don't have a lot of resources which end up leading to certain kids and certain communities have inferior education, while other, other schools get great resources. One of the challenges you know, about the United States and how we do education is a lot of times education is decided by property taxes, right? And so if you live in a community where you have a lot of nice property and people who are paying taxes at a higher level, you tend to have a better school system. If you're in a lower income community, which tends to be ethnic minorities or you know, single parents, whatever those things may be, then you unfortunately will have an inferior school system that may not have as many as great resources, which means, again, we're setting up a system where inequality in education and resources may mean that your kids may not get into as great a college or may not even be exposed to colleges even being an opportunity. So it's the, it's the same kind of thing, right? It's that's, we have to look at systems and how some systems get better resources than others. I like how you said there that, you know, certainly we focus on things such as race and gender and rightfully so. But this topic extends out into many different areas. So how do we as leaders, whether it's in agriculture and the world is in general, how do we do a better job of seeing inequities before we get too far down the road? And those inequities have really caused a lot of problems. And how do we step up and try to take those inequities out of the system as best we can? Because that's really part of your job or big part of what you do at Aurora. So how do we do that? First is education. First, we need to educate, educate ourselves on what's true. What's the truth behind uh, what's happening in the systems, where there's disparity, where there's unfairness, um, edu- and, and find reliable news sources. So and yeah, I would say, you know, any news sources that's related to, again, connected to a political side, I would avoid as being necessarily the, the voice of truth. But there are great resources like um, National Public Radio, um, C-SPAN, where they don't really offer an opinion. They just offer fact. Um, so find factual data um, as a way of to understand more about what's happening behind um, the systems, what's what, what causing some inequalities. Second is, is relationships. Um, you know, I just find that we show up differently for people 
for people when you know people, <laughs> right? Um, when you, and that's one of the things I've loved about our friendship for, oh gosh, 30, 30 years now. Um, the more you connect and, and learn for people who are not like you, the, the more you show up for each other and the more you advocate for each other. It's hard to care for people that you don't know about, <laughs> that you don't really know of personally. You know, we, we see news stories, we hear things, but when you get an opportunity to meet someone, expose yourself to someone in the community who's, who's not like you, it, it, it opens your eyes. Um, one of the things I encourage people is to do this little exercise, and I, I don't know if we talked about this before, is writing down the five people who you have the most contact with in your life, five people that you're most engaged, and then look at that list and see, well, how diverse are those people? And if they have the same worldview, same socioeconomic status, same ethnicity, it limits then your worldview. And so I challenge people to expand the basis of individuals that you're coming in contact and getting to know because it makes you a better person. You have greater insights. And then you also, yeah, you're going to show up differently. We have tremendous technology at our hands these days. So how can you help us then be able to better connect with people who perhaps don't have the same background and may see life differently? Because I agree, that's really valuable. But, you know, if I live in a place where in a lot of ways we're all in agriculture, we're all in small town America, we have very similar backgrounds, that's that's fine. It's nobody's fault. But there is great value in seeing things from somebody else's point of view. So how do I connect and establish those relationships? No, well, in the great world of social media, um, you know, there are things, there are groups called Meetup. Uh, actually, it's a website called meetup.com where you don't have to physically meet, but there are um, various different groups of people that you can connect to um, where it often leads, leads to conversations and discussions and even a Zoom-based meeting. Um, and also travel. When you travel outside of your home community, even if it's scary, you just gain perspective and you begin to see how life is different, how things operate in different parts of the world, different communities. And I think that's also insightful too, right? Is that sometimes that different experience doesn't have to always be a personal deep relationship, but just exposing yourself to, to, to I mean, and that's one thing I know you and your wife have traveled around the world, even to um, communities, you know, third world countries. Like those experiences have changed you <laughs> and caused you to show up differently. And we all need to push ourselves to get outside of our own bubbles. So, my friend Corey, before we wind up, tell me how soon Aurora has the autonomous tractor ready for us. <laughs> or are you working on that part of the system at Aurora? <laughs> so, first, we're starting with autonomous trucks. Um, okay. and, and, you know, but this is one thing I was surprised is you know, there's actually a shortage of truck drivers in, in, in our country. Um, and so, there's a great shortage of truck drivers. And it's interesting that, I feel like over the last year, you're seeing more and more major truck accidents. I think we're going to start with trucks, um, and that does impact our industry, right? Because, you know, trans transportation of products uh, than cars. But, hey, I'm hoping that um, Aurora can also pivot to also doing more with the in the ag community because, you know, the day that you have self-driving self trucks and combines and you don't even have to go out and just know that the job has been done and done right and it's safe and effective, I just, you know, continue to see the ag industry just improve. I, I believe it will happen, although there will be some of us to say, but I love driving my tractor and combine. So just don't mess with that because I really love that part of the job. <laughs> you know, we'll always have the option. We always have the option to drive cars and trucks and, and even go out in the field. 
So just don't take the steering wheel out of the cab. Let people still have an option. That's the main thing. Fair enough. Corey, my friend, always good to visit with you. Thanks for joining me. And hey, you know, people listen to this and they love to connect. How can they connect with you? Because I think that they do enjoy hearing from you and what you have to say. How can they find you? A few ways. I am on LinkedIn. Uh, My name is Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, last name Flonoy, F as in Frank, O-U-R-N-O-Y. And I've also started a blog post. So you can also Google me, but coreyflonoy.medium.com. I'm starting a blog on on these kind of issues, these kind of challenges of how to um, to really show up differently when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there's some challenging concepts, but I encourage people to read the blogs and respond. And let's 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 engage in a dialogue. I would love that. Corey, thank you as always. Hey, thank you for yeah, another great conversation together. Appreciate you. I really like Corey's idea of actively working to expand our circle of folks with which we communicate. Technology allows us to interact and dialogue. Notice I didn't say arguing, but simply listening and sharing with people like and not like us. In today's world, I think all of us can benefit from simply better understanding the views of others and then working together as best we can to find solutions that move us in a positive direction. No, it's not easy or perfect, but it's a lot better than living in a bubble and being angry at the world around us. And be sure to connect with Corey. As he mentioned, he always loves hearing from folks. I appreciate you joining us on your local radio station or via the podcast. For those on the farm, hopefully you are getting the summer weather you need. I've been in places that are very dry and other places that have had flooding. Remember to connect with myself and Farm in the Countryside on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter as well. I'm Andrew McRae. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time on Farm in the Countryside. Farm in the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com.